Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Vintage Lifestyle podcast. Today, I'm joined by Robert Ostman, a fellow Canadian and vintage enthusiast, currently and for some time now living in England. Rob, how are you doing? So good to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. Um, to start with, Rob, I'd like for you to take us all the way back and uh, tell us what first got you into history. Well, it would probably be easier to say that uh, when I used to live in, in British Columbia, um, we used to go to a lot of uh, uh, museums and things. For example, uh, there was the, uh, the Fort Langley Museum, a okay. National Historic Site in, uh, in Fort Langley. We used to visit there um, quite a bit. Um, and uh, the big antique center there as well. My mother used to go in there all the time and spend hours just pouring over mixing bowls. There was that sort of thing, you know, all the time. And then you, you travel up the canyon and you see the uh, the old Coquihalla and, and uh, the old um, telegraph poles and things like that. And you start to think, well, you know, there's, there's a lot here that was. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're talking to your grandparents about certain things. I mean, most most kids, especially in the 90s and whatnot, you know, you, you've got reruns of, um, you know, the Rat Patrol and, you know, the old black and white uh, cowboy movies or World War II movies or something like that, you know, and, yeah. and Gunsmoke and uh, and whatnot from the 50s and 60s. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, it sticks with you. I mean, maybe it doesn't stick to everybody, but it, it certainly stuck to me. And, my my father was a was a big fan of um, the old nineteen eighties Jeremy Brett uh, Sherlock Holmes series. Okay. So there was yeah. always that that sort of the je ne sais quoi of, of history sort of lingering in the in the background somewhere. And um, I ended up getting a job in because um, I used to live in Abbotsford in British Columbia, and and um, ended up getting a job at the uh, the museum there for a short while, and before moving to England. And, um, you know, you, you start to see just how much just really amazing stuff there, there is in Canada alone. You know, it had always been there and it always had an interest. So now um, for the benefit of those listening, um, if you have hmm, not yes. uh, seen Rob on Instagram, Rob has fantastic sense of vintage style and uh, is always posting excellent uh, photos which uh, looks like he stepped right out of the past in a lot of the in a lot of the photos and they're really great but um, I'd like to ask you Rob when did you start doing kind of the or purchasing vintage clothes and start kind of uh, you know reenacting and, and taking some of those photos and when did that kind of whole passion start uh, it would probably have been um, down probably my, my grandfather somewhat because he always used to wear a hat uh, when out in you know doing anything really you always you always had a hat on um and uh like a like a fedora type thing no matter where he where he went almost always had a hat and uh, and a tie and a tweed jacket hmm. um not not in the garden but you know you'd go to the uh the hardware shop and you know he'd have his hat on and and you know you go to um you go out for a meal you know put the jacket on put the tie on put the hat on and it was always that sort of generation thing you know mm -hmm. to do and and for some reason that sort of hung on to me i remember the first time i ever bought a tie uh, well i didn't buy the tie i was nine but my mom and i went went to the went to a shop because we were going to a wedding and 
and uh, I needed a tie. And, and my grandfather showed me how to tie it. Uh, and he also showed me how to, you know, polish shoes and things like that. So all those things kind of stuck with me. Hmm. And it just sort of carried on from there, I suppose. That's really cool. Yeah, you, you mentioned that being a, a a product of that generation, I suppose, and and uh, uh, a vestige of the past, really, where where you know men's hats have, have almost completely fallen out of favor, except for baseball hats. And yet, um, yeah. for that generation, it it was still very much a thing that when you're going to go out somewhere, you don't go out looking shabby. You you put on your good clothes and you put on your hat. And I remember one of my former bosses when I worked at. Uh, museum the curator of the museum he said to me when he was a kid you know he never mm. saw ladies come out to the store without their gloves on that was that was kind of something he noticed you know um even if they're just going to the grocery store i mean they wore their gloves and they wore their hats and it, it's something uh very much lost for the most part today but i think that's what's so interesting about pages like yours um on instagram and others that are sort of reminding us all of this era and reminding us of a certain class elegance rather should be the word I, sh I should use and uh i think it's it's really neat it's really really cool to to bring it back and it's it's cool to hear that that's kind of where that comes from and, and i suppose being that's maybe your grandfather's generation is that probably why you found yourself drawn to that sort of early to mid 20th century style it, that would be kind of around his his timeline as well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I've I've toyed about with with sort of earlier things, you know, Victorian and whatnot. In fact, at the moment, I'm I'm actually working on a uh, on a complete 14th century outfit, but that's for something else. Um, it 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 did have a bit of an effect. Um, I I don't know why, but I mean, as as a lot of people seem to. Hmm, a lot of people seem to sort of miss the point. I mean, I'm I'm not living in the past. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, oppress anybody, you know, um, or anything like that. There seems to be this this idea that, you know, clearly, you know, because you're on Instagram, you're looking for attention and and you're you're trying to, uh, you know, whatever. No, no, we all live in the 21st century. Really, no different to putting it in a magazine, writing an article in the newspaper it's just a different medium mm -hmm. um you know that, that you that you're using and you know when there's 10 20 100 thousand different people all around the world you know you want as many readers as possible because you know that they may find it interesting you know this is for people who have a similar interest when you when you're posting this to instagram or when you you've got a vintage blog let's say like like i do or precisely the point is that there are hundreds of thousands of people potentially out there like yourself who are interested in the past and seeing how an authentic 1930s outfit gets put together or understanding how a ford model a works and or, or or how you use some yeah. of the implements from the past and i think that's kind of the whole purpose behind my blog is i'm sure there are other people out there who are interested in this sort of thing and why not share our stories and just you know it's, it's not even like being in some kind of echo chamber where we're all trying to live in the past precisely as you said we're not trying to live in the past we're just trying to appreciate the past and appreciate it together with other people who who can appreciate it with us which is 
I think that's a miraculous thing about the 21st century, about the different social media mm. tools. And oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, questions about your outfits, actually. I, I wanted to ask you, where do you find some of these these pieces? I mean, some of them seem like they're they're so particular, and yet you're able to put together an outfit exactly as it would have been in the past. And I'm just curious, where do you find some of those things? And, and then how long does it take you on average to put something together? Oh, um, some of it's new, like new, new. Like reproduction? Yeah, uh, or, or, you know, it's still made. For example, you know, a lot of shoes, you can, you can easily get shoes that are made and they look exactly the same. Uh, there's there's a lot of good companies out there. Sometimes you can get, you know, secondhand ones. There's there's a lot of vintage shops out here, dotted around the place. Sometimes you have to try hard to find them. Um, secondhand places out here at least tend not to have a lot of old old stuff anymore. Loads of, you know, '90s, '80s, and '90s stuff, hmm. but. That's that. To be honest, even that's getting hard to find these days. I, I remember when you could you could walk into a, they, they call them charity shops out here. Um, you used to be able to walk into them and, and you'd find a an early sixties three piece suit just like that, easy. But now it's you're lucky if you find a nineteen seventies suit. It just all gets wrapped up because it's so popular and unexpected, yeah, really, because. And that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you as well is, I mean, we're seeing this uptick. Uh, I mean, and I've seen it just in the, the four years I've been kind of in the space, in the online space, you mm. know, on Instagram mm. and whatnot. But I mean, it really has come such a long way. Even from when I first started collecting, you know, when I was a kid, there was nobody into old stuff, into vintage stuff. And yeah. I would say the same thing yeah. here at our, our thrift stores here. I mean, we don't find as old of stuff anyways in general and yet a lot of that stuff even from the 80s and 90s it's all being picked over because vintage is trending for whatever reason and why do you think that is do, yeah. you, do you have any ideas there's lots of different arguments i suppose there's this i mean why are tv shows set in the 1980s so popular mm -hmm. i can just or or, or re reboots of tv shows you know, any, anything from from Star Trek, Star Wars. What's that film that came out in, what was it? Was it 2010? The, the collaboration between Spielberg and J.J. Um, Abrams. Um, Super 8. Mm. See, that, that, I think, helped kick off this whole 80s thing was when that came out. And, you know, that, that gets followed up by, uh, you know, Stranger Things and things like that, which suddenly, there's, there's a big desire for the 80s right now and occasionally you see people walking around i mean heck um took my mom shopping in the uh, the nearest city um to here a couple of years ago these three guys came walking down the street and they looked like they just stepped out of the 1970s i mean they had it down to a t the hair the jackets the uh, the bell bottoms, everything, uh, just everything, and we just both sort of stopped and just sort of looked at them and went, "I'm not, I'm not going to go up to them and, and and start having a go at them about, you know, oh, you're living in the past. No, 
they're they're having fun. They look great, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, I I might go for a few decades earlier or something in my in my tastes, but you know, my manager, for example, uh, at the shop that I work for, loves the seventies. It's uh, I mean, he was born in seventy nine, but you know, uh, he, he just he he just absolutely loves the seventies. It's interesting, isn't it, that there's something about these different decades that sort of calls to us. And I, and I wonder, I heard a fashion mm. blogger once say that most people sort of get their fashion identity when they're a young person. And they, yeah. for the most part, carry that through. And so if you're born in the 30s or 40s, you're probably very likely to wear braces and a collared shirt for the rest of your life and things like this. And I wonder if the 80s and 90s trending right now is something familiar to uh, a lot of people born in that era is like, oh yeah, mom and dad always wore this, or I used to see this on TV and something familiar and kind of uh, comforting about that. It's just something unique, but in a way not unique at the same time. It's unique from today, but uh, familiar because we're, 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 yeah. Uh, exposed to it as we grow up and i wonder if there's something like that that just sort of calls us in draws us into wanting to participate perhaps in that history a little bit yeah yeah i'd i'd, I'd definitely say um i definitely say that's that's uh, the case probably but then again i mean i know i know a fellow who his parents are completely the opposite it's a very it's a very modern house it's all very, you know, shades of white and pale gray, um, <laughs> which seems to be the current current trend. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if you like a very modern house. Um, but he's he's completely, um, yeah. I think it might be the sort of maybe slightly anti-authoritarian because it is literally he's grown up in a in a world that is well. The, the current age and perhaps there is a, a bit of a longing for a, an age of elegance or something and, and he's he's very much into the into the 1930s but he doesn't just wear a hat and a tie and a suit and whatnot no it, it's restoring classic cars you know restoring old gramophones restoring everything old stuff is generally built in such a way that it can be repaired and refurbished unlike a lot of the stuff we have today and perhaps again that's another reason why people are attracted to some of the things in the past is because we live mm. in such an age where you buy it today and you throw it out tomorrow and I, I think the fact that your friend engages in all these other sorts of activities that's sort of the idea of of a of a historic lifestyle of a vintage lifestyle which is living history engaging actively with the past not just maybe in clothing but in also different machines and gadgets and and whatnot because we're learning something about history that you can't get from a textbook when you're doing those types of things and i just think that's really neat oh absolutely yeah there's a lot of things i mean yeah yeah you, you once you start getting into that whole living history bit there are unbelievable amounts of things that happen that you may have read about somewhere um or it was theorized or your grandmother mentioned in passing once and and you try it out and you go oh yeah it does work or 
and, and and I don't mean just in the you know from the from the twenties, thirties, and whatever. I mean stuff centuries ago. Uh, I mean, there's there's loads of living historians and whatnot, you know, who are into Anglo-Saxon or Roman or Greek or. I mean, there's this one guy on, on Instagram. He's been, uh, you know, making stuff out of uh, animal hides and whatnot. And that's amazing. It's that's something that thousands and thousands and thousands of years that human beings have, have used. The the idea that for generations it's a it's a tool that has been used by one's ancestors. There are some things, even as you said about you know, something one's grandmother mentions in passing and you say, wow, that, okay, that's how that works. Or, oh, that doesn't work at all. There are some things in the modern era that we're, we're thankful for and we're glad for. There are just some things that we, we probably couldn't do without or wouldn't wish to do without. And yet there are some things when we engage with them, whether it's an, an artifact or an antique or, or using a bow, for example, um, hunting, you're introducing yourself you're, you're injecting yourself into a much bigger story and you're able to understand something in a way that you, you normally wouldn't be able to. And I, I just think that's, that's really cool. Um, so back to, sorry, your, uh, your yeah, page sorry. and what you do. <laughs> um, no, that's all right. This is good. I'm glad we're talking about this stuff. Uh, how long would you say it takes you to put something together? And then I'm, I'm also wanted to oh, ask, yeah. um, <laughs> How does somebody get involved in historical reenactment? How did you get involved with that sort of thing? Because I'm sure there are people listening who would love to know more about it. Um, how long does it take me to, to put an outfit together? Um, it depends on, on, the, on the outfit, really. Um, <laughs> sometimes it, you, can, you can get it all in one package on a single day, and other times it takes five years or more. <laughs> wow. It, uh, it does depend. That does vary quite a bit, but that's that's interesting to know. I, I and I kind of imagined that uh, there would be quite a range. Oh, there is. There is. Um, you know, if you can afford to have the best of the best of the best, then you're going to look the best of the best of the best. But sometimes you can find a really good, a really good couple of I don't know jackets, a hat, or whatever shoes, tie. And sometimes you can get them for next to nothing or at a fairly reasonable rate. And it's some good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's just that a lot of sellers know what they've got and um, they know it's desirable and they will charge through the nose for it. I don't know where I was going with that. Um... No, that's good. I, th I think you answered that question. Um, yeah, let's move on to historical reenactment. How did you get involved with that or, or how does one get involved with that or what's your story in in terms of getting into some reenacting um i I've, i first sort of got involved with um this this one group out here who oddly enough have are, are interested in the american civil war so uh if you're if you're in the uk and you see a an event saying that the the american civil war society is going to be there uh yeah they're pretty interesting bunch but yeah this was back in what 20, 2014 i just sent off an email and sewed a sewed an outfit together and, and went down to a an open air museum that's about 35 40 miles away from here but from there i mean i was already working at a uh at, at, an, at another open air museum and so for a lot of sort of historical stuff i already had it or i knew where i could get it or 
so it was it was pretty easy in that regards and you know when you when you already work in a museum there's always groups coming in um you know you're always meeting people who who are involved in something i suppose the best way to get involved with a historical group is a find out who's in your area and if they're not in your area can you get to them or will they be having events in your area so that's that's always the that's always the thing and there's different degrees there's different degrees you've got your you can either go in for something like larp or something if you want to do like a historical larp i don't mean like fantasy stuff i mean there there is more historical based ones out there uh especially in europe um so it's it's pretty easy you just got to find you know internet search some of these some of these groups haven't got a website sometimes they've got a facebook page sometimes they just have like a little teeny tiny instagram thing um it's just i think being in the right place at the right time uh and maybe you're the one that's got to you know set up the uh the website you know sometimes you've just got to set up your own reenactment group i mean i've seen guys at events they're all by themselves but they they know their stuff and they're really interesting people and sometimes you don't need a dozen 200 plus people whatever you know it doesn't even need to be military based if you have a spinning wheel and if you want to spin wool all day and talk about that or if you want to give a demonstration on tanning leather or you don't even have to have a public thing if you like history and you want to go on a hike across some field somewhere dressed as a 18th century highlander you do that you know if you've got an interest in you know the byzantine empire or 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 i know people who i know a guy who has a full uh surgeon's uh stuff laid out medieval onwards he's written wow. a couple of books on the subject very interesting and he's got all these you know replica tools and stuff all laid out and you can look at them and he'll tell you exactly what this particular thing was for you know tooth extraction or, or cutting open a scalp or skull or what have you and it's amazing i mean uh, yeah yeah i think uh i think that's that's almost it rob i got one last question for you and yeah, yeah, yeah. uh that is why do you think history is important well i would say that history is important because we see the effects of the past in the present every second that goes by is now considered the past and every choice every decision and thing that was done yesterday last week last month last year affects the present and something that our great 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 grandparents did in i don't know 1600 um where they went where they moved to um what their jobs were it affects us today okay so your 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 grandparents came from i don't know manitoba okay so okay where were their parents from no they were also from manitoba okay well where were their parents from they were from new york but why were they in new york well their parents came from massachusetts okay and where did their parents come from before that well they came there in in uh in 1701 from uh i don't know portsmouth 
oh, what were they doing in Portsmouth? Well, they weren't in Portsmouth very long. They came from Yorkshire. Oh, okay. So what brought them from, from Yorkshire down to Portsmouth? Was it simply to get on a ship or was it for something else? You know, and, and once you start looking at all this sort of, you know, family tree stuff, you know, you start to think, why? All these questions start popping up and it makes it all a little bit more real. I, I think if, because we can sometimes look at dates and numbers and, you know, the battle of whatever in 18, whatever, whenever. And it all seems a bit two-dimensional. And it's not until you, you put your hands into the mud that you kind of look around and go, you know what, there's not that much of a difference between then and now. People are always the same, you, no matter where you go. There's always um, hopes, dreams, loves, you know, preferences, tastes. You know, I think once you start digging into this stuff, and to me, I think that that's why history is important, is it's the story of, of everything. You know, it's, 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 not a, it's not just in a book. It's there. We're standing on it right now. You know, it's the history of what this planet is, what this world is, where we are, who we are, why we are. Yeah. I don't it, know. It's, in a way, an answer to the present and maybe some of the questions we have. And, and like you said, there's not that much of a difference between then and now. There's not that much of a difference between them, them who seem mm. rather two-dimensional, and us, the present. Yeah. So that's that's very interesting. I think that's a great answer, Rob. Thank you so much for for being here today, and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time. It's great to hear from you and and hear a little bit about your experience, and then share your experience and your story with uh, our listeners, with other people who love history around the world. So thank you so much. Brilliant.